0: Well, there are certain phrases uh, that tend to stay in our mind. It's either from a movie or a book or a speech, and there's something that's said, just a little nugget that tends to stay with us. So I want to test your, your knowledge of how well you remember things. So I'm going to give you a few uh, nuggets and see if you can tell me who said this particular phrase. The first one is, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Very good. You're off to a good start. Uh, Okay. I have a dream. All right. Y'all are two for two. You're good. They get harder. All right. This one, there's a little controversy on, so we'll see. Go ahead. Go ahead make my day. How many say Clint Eastwood? How many say Arnold Schwarzenegger? Okay. It was Clint Eastwood. Okay. Very good. Okay. This one, not many people except my age know, but let's just see if you do know this. I don't know nothing about birth and babies. Chrissy in what movie? Gone with the Wind. I love that. Miss Scarlett. I don't know nothing about birth and babies. Okay, here's another one. You should know this. Mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. All right, y'all got that, Forrest Gump. There's no place like home. Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. See, y'all have good memories. I'm impressed. Okay. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliot. Very good. How many of y'all didn't know that? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right. And then one more. Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right, uh, y'all better know that one. Okay, so, you know, these words that were spoken by Joshua, they still make an impact thousands of years later. We know who said that. I mean, I remember when I moved to Memphis, my neighbor had a plaque on her door that said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's one of those nuggets that we just, they stay etched in our mind. But they continue to challenge us today, years, thousands of years after Joshua spoke those words. If you knew that your time on this earth was about to come to an end, what would be your final words to those that you're going to leave behind? What message would you want to give them in one sentence? What would you want to leave them with? Well, this week as we finish our study of Joshua, uh, we covered a lot of material in these three chapters. And I just didn't have time in this 30 minutes with you to cover all three chapters. And so we're not going to look at uh, chapter 22. I'm just going to focus on his final words in Joshua 23 and 24. Because he knew his time was quickly coming to an end. He was Probably hundred and ten now. Uh, when it, at, at this point, he even said in chapter twenty three, verse two, "I am old, advanced in years." And remember, God had told him that seven, ten years ago, when those chapters that we looked at last time. I mean, God had already told him that you're old and advanced in years, and now Joshua admits it. I am, and he wanted to give them a final challenge. He wanted them to to be challenged to keep pressing on and serving God. But he recognized a tendency in them, a tendency to look to other gods. And he was concerned that they would not be faithful to follow God after he died. And And he rightly so was concerned. And so he gave two farewell challenges. Some people have said these two chapters are the same speech. Uh, I lean toward the, the view of the scholars who say that these are two separate occasions, two separate speeches. In chapter 23, it was given to the leaders of the people. And probably at Shiloh, even though it doesn't specifically say that, they just feel like that's where the tabernacle was, that's probably where he called the leaders and... Gave this first speech. And then his second message was in chapter 24. It was to the leaders and the people, so to everybody. And it was given at Shechem. Why Shechem? Well, you looked at that this week because Shechem had spiritual significance for the Israelites. It was at Shechem that God gave that promise to Abraham that his descendants would one day inherit this land. And it was at Shechem that Jacob built an altar and renewed the Mosaic covenant. It was at Shechem where the people of Israel had reaffirmed their commitment to the Lord in Joshua 8, after they defeated Ai. This place was holy ground to the Israelites. It was an appropriate place for Joshua to give his final words to the people. And so, even though these are two different farewell messages, they both have one underlying message, and that one message is, serve the Lord God and serve him alone. So, everything he talks about in these two speeches, these two messages, point back to that one main point, serve the Lord God. Warren Wearsby in his study, uh, Be Strong on Joshua, he said, To serve God means to fear him, obey him, and worship only him. It means to love him and fix your heart upon him. Obeying him because you want to, not because you have to. And so as I look at that, and I, I, I thought about that yesterday, that, you know, serving in a way that pleases God, it comes out of a right relationship with God. We're fixing our heart on him. We're loving him. We're worshiping him. And that natural outflow is serving him. So how do we serve God in this way? Well, I'd like this morning to give you three exhortations from these two chapters that would help us serve God all the days of our lives just as Joshua challenged the Israelites. So we're going to look at these three exhortations. The first one is, and I'm going to give you one word, and then I'll expand on the word. Because for me, I've been trying to remember these, and I can remember the one word, and then it helps me remember the rest of it. But the first one is remember. The first exhortation I want to give us is remember. Remember what God has done. And this exhortation points to God's faithfulness. In his first message to the leaders in chapter 23, verse 3, he reminds them of what God has done. He said, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. And then in verse 14, he continued, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Remember what God has done. Remember his faithfulness. And in Joshua's message here, he made very certain to give God all the glory. You notice he never took time to say, wow, I was a great leader to you all. I led some great battles. He never took credit himself. Uh, he didn't give credit to the Israelites and say, y'all were great warriors. He pointed back to God is the one who is fighting for you. God has done this. He did say in verse four, he said, I've carried out the task that God gave me to do. And he's saying, God gave me the task. To divide and conquer and give you these nations this inheritance, I've done my job. And God will continue to fight for you long after I'm gone. And then in verse 5, he again reminds them of God's faithfulness. The Lord your God, He will thrust them out, drive them out, and you will possess their land just as God promised. And then in chapter 24, in His second message, He goes into a lot of detail in the first 13 verses about what God had done for them. He starts with Abraham, and now he goes all the way up to where they are today. And he just reviewed God's faithfulness in their lives. This is what God has done for you. This is what he's going to do for you in the future. So how do we bring this down to application for us today? because we're not possessing land, and I think we have to, you know, how does remembering what God has done in the past help us serve God faithfully? I think two ways, really, and I don't have this on PowerPoint. You just have to listen, but I think it helps us serve God faithfully when we remember what he's done because it reminds us how he can work in seemingly impossible situations. You look back and you think of, well, God, you did that then. I mean, why wouldn't you do it now? You know, I was convicted. Every time I prepare a lesson, a lecture, I'm always convicted of what I'm saying. Because Friday, I was sitting here working on it, and for whatever reason, I guess, because we sent out support letters last week for Nepal, and I I just had this thought come across, and I thought, God, what if you don't provide the funds for us to go to Nepal, what are we going to do? And then it was like he just whispered in my ear, I didn't hear a voice, but it was this thought of, have I ever failed you in the past? Haven't I always provided? And I thought, yes, Lord, I need to look back and remember, you have always been faithful. Why wouldn't you be faithful now? And so we need to look back And remember, you worked then, you're going to work today. You've been faithful in the past. But a second way that I think it helps us serve the Lord is that it brings our focus to him and his attributes. When we remember what God has done, it just reminds us of his character. And that helps us serve him because we realize who we're serving and how great he is. He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful to us today and tomorrow. And so with each of these exhortations, I want to give you an action point, something to do this week. And you don't have a lesson for next week. And you've already, two of these action points were in your lesson this week, but I'm going to challenge you to revisit them. So I want to give you an action point for this first exhortation of remembering. Um, I had you, in one of your looking reflectively this week, write down what God has done in your past. But I really want you to take that, just spend a little bit of time on that this week. I looked back at mine last night, and I thought, oh, I could go so much deeper than what I wrote in my lesson. So I encourage you to take some time, maybe just part of a day, even if it's 30 minutes, but just take some concentrated time and write down how you have seen God work in your life and your circumstances in the past. How has he provided for you? How has he led you and guided you? How has he led you in decision-making? How have you seen God do what only God could do. And then thank him for the way that he's worked. And let that time of remembering encourage you in what you may be facing today or what you're going to face tomorrow. God was faithful then. He'll be faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. And so the first exhortation that helps us serve God wholeheartedly is to remember Remember what God has done. The second exhortation. Remove. Remove the idols. Joshua knew that if they did not drive out the inhabitants in the land, that the Canaanites would draw the Israelites away from serving God. And he knew that if they left them, that they would be drawn to serve the people's gods instead of the true God. And apparently, some of the people were already doing that. There was already some idol worship in the the camp. And so he gives them two commands to ensure that they would stay away from idols. And again, I don't have this on PowerPoint. I'm just making you listen. But in chapter 23, verses 6 to 7, he gives them the command. He exhorts them, keep God's word. If you want to stay away from idols and remove them, First thing you got to do is keep God's word. And he says in verse uh, 6 and 7, Be very firm, then, to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations. These which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. God's word keeps us away from idols because it reminds us who the true God is and why we serve him, why he's the true God. We've got to stay in God's word if we're going to stay away from idols. But a second command he gives them to help them stay away from idols is in verse 8. Cling to God. He says, but you are to cling to the Lord your God. I love the way the new the NIV application commentary talks about clinging to God. He said, "To cling firmly to Yahweh is to embrace Him so tightly that there isn't even the smallest crack between you and Him for another God to come into. That you are clinging so tight, there's no space for another God. There's no room. I have um, a very vivid memory." For my years as a child. And I don't remember everything from my childhood. But there are certain things that obviously traumatized me, and I remember them to this day. I know that I was younger than five years old. I don't know how old, but I was younger than five And because I was in the nursery. And I remember one Sunday morning, my mom held me, led me by the hand, took me to the nursery. And she was going to leave me there with this lady. I remember the lady. I remember her name. And Jared Bamberg, this little boy that I had a crush on. He was my boyfriend at the time. She was going to leave me with this lady and Jared. And for some reason, I know I'd been in the nursery before, but for some reason that day, I did not want my mama to leave me. And I just wrapped my arms around her, her legs and just held on tight and said, mama, don't leave me. I need to be with you. That's the kind of clinging that we need to do to the Lord. Don't leave me. And the reason I didn't want to leave me is that I felt secure with my mom, and I'm sure you young moms have probably had your kids do this to you when you were leaving them somewhere. That's what we should be doing with God is clinging to him so tightly. God, I need you. Don't leave me. You're where I'm secure. And are we clinging to God in that way? If we want to remove and stay away from idols, we have to keep his word and we have to cling to him. So then the application today, um, we don't often think of ourselves as idolaters. We think of the Israelites and the Canaanites as idolaters because I doubt anybody in this room has a statue in your home that you worship? Uh, if you do, come talk to me and we'll, we'll talk about that. You know, we, we, we don't have those, those wooden or stone gods, but we do have idols that are potential idols, potential gods that would cause us to serve and worship those things. Things like money, Our status in life, materialism, our houses, what we own, our cars, recognition, even things like body image, people. We can't serve God and idols at the same time because there's only one God and we have to decide who we're going to give our devotion to. Who are we going to worship? So the action point for this one on remove, and again, this was in your looking reflectively, and I hope you already did it, but I I hope you'll revisit it this week. Take some time this week and ask God to search your heart and show you any things or any people that you're in danger of worshiping and serving instead of him, instead of God. Ask them to show you what those potential idols are. And if you have an idol in your life, would you be willing to remove it and confess it, give it back to the Lord? If we're going to serve the Lord, we have to remember what God has done. That's the first exhortation. Second, we have to remove the idols from our lives. And the third exhortation is found in chapter 24, reaffirm. Reaffirm your commitment to God. Joshua challenged them to reaffirm or to renew their commitment to God, to serve God, not just in in their words. He, He wanted them to also reaffirm their commitment to him through their actions, and he ended up renewing the Mosaic covenant with them. The Mosaic covenant simply stated is, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And so Joshua is warning them. And you read that in these chapters. God will destroy you. He will take you out of this land if you disobey and serve idols. That's part of the Mosaic covenant. And so he challenged them in 2415, he said, choose whom you will serve. And he made it sound like, well, since you can't serve God, then choose between the gods of your fathers on the other side of the river or the gods of the Canaanites. Who are you going to serve? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And of course, they quickly responded, we're going to serve the Lord too. But you'll notice that he wasn't convinced. He he suspected that there was already idolatry going on in their homes. And so he exhorted them again, who are you going to serve? Because he wanted them to understand the seriousness of that decision. Words were not enough. And maybe he was hoping that they would come forward and say, here, here are my idols. I'm removing them. But he warned them. In both chapters, and he said, If you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, know with certainty that the Lord will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you until you perish from off this good land which the Lord has given you. And again, they said, Oh, but we want to serve the Lord, we're going to serve God. So in chapter 24, Joshua said, Okay. And he renewed the Mosaic covenant with them, a reaffirmation of their commitment that we're going to follow you, we're going to serve you. So again, application for us today. We're no longer under the Mosaic covenant. We're under the new covenant. We're saved by the blood of Christ. It is unconditional love. Our salvation is secure, and and we only need to accept Jesus as Savior one time. It is not something we need to keep doing over and over and over. Once he comes into our, our lives as our Savior, he pays that payment. It's one time. But I do think we need to reaffirm our commitment to him over and over and over. And I would say daily that every morning, even this morning when I woke up before I ever got out of bed, I lay there and said, God, this day is for you. I want to please you today. I want to serve you today. Guide me, help me. I, We need to, to really reaffirm just our desire to serve him every day. Are we going to allow him to be Lord of our life today, or are we going to take control and do things our, our own way? You know, I remember back to the very day I first gave him lordship of my life. And that's the, a turning point in my life, but I still daily have to give him that throne and affirm, God, I want you to be lord, not me. So, action point for this, this exhortation. And I, this was not in your lesson But I want you to take some time alone with the Lord and just be real honest and take some time to reflect, where are you with God right now? Where are you in your relationship with him? Are you doing great and you're just growing and loving him more every day and just on fire for him? Or are you finding yourself a little complacent, maybe just plateaued out? I'm not really going backwards, but I'm not really growing. Are you so busy that your time with him is getting pushed aside? I've been thinking about this because I realize that I, I want to go forward, and I feel like I'm just kind of in this busy mode. But take some time and evaluate, where are you with God? Are there things that are pulling you away from making him first? Are you yielded to his lordship? Take some time and reaffirm your commitment to him and love for him and do it every day. And as you write out your thoughts, ask him to show you, if you need to make changes? And if so, what do I need to change, Lord, to deepen my relationship with you? You know, next year in Heart to Heart or next year in women's ministry, I think our theme is going to be just drawing near and really focusing on prayer and, and the study of God's word of how do we draw near to God in those two areas. Joshua knew he was near the end of his life. And he wanted to prepare the people for the future without him as their leader. And he wanted to guide them in how to live from that day forward. He wanted them to serve God, not the idols. And they did fine for a while. Uh, chapter twenty four thirty one tells us that Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua. You know, I've heard it said, and we talked about this in our leaders meeting, I've heard it said, well, Joshua didn't disciple anybody and build a, a, a person to follow him like Moses did with Joshua. And I disagree with that. I think Joshua discipled many people. I think he discipled the leaders. And I think he discipled the people of Israel. And they, those leaders led the people after Joshua died. And it said they did great while the leaders were leading them. But then we read in Judges how they fell away from God and worshiped idols. And so somehow that next generation didn't build into the next generation, which is a challenge to us that we always need to build, be building into those coming behind us, that they will catch that flame for the Lord and carry it on. So his final message to the people and the leaders, serve the Lord God. How? Remember, remember what he's done. Remove. Remove the idols out of our lives. And third, reaffirm. Reaffirm your commitment daily to serve him and to obey him. I want to close with a, a story that I actually didn't know about till I read this recently. On March 30th, 1981, our 40th president, Ronald Reagan, was hit by a a bullet from a would-be assassin. Many of you know that. Some of you may not have been born in 1981. I don't know, but um, he survived, obviously, but he would never be the same. According to his deputy chief of staff, Michael Deaver, something spiritually changed in Ronald Reagan that day. He'd been a Christian since he was a child, but after March 30th, 1981, there was a renewal of faith, a renewal of a sense of destiny and purpose. He told his daughter Maureen, while he was still in the hospital, that God had spared him for a reason, and that whatever time he had left on earth was dedicated to the Lord. And on Good Friday, during his recovery at the White House, he told Cardinal Terence Cook. I have decided that whatever time I have left is for him. Whatever happens now, I owe my life to God, and I will try to serve him every way I can. That was a spiritual renewal, a spiritual affirmation in the life of our president to serve God every day the rest of his life. Are we willing to say, God whatever time i have left i want to serve you every day with the rest of my life remember what he's done remove the idols reaffirm your commitment to serve to 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 love him and serve him and you will serve him very well that's my challenge for us as we finish the study on joshua that we would love him, that we would serve him, that we would stay anchored in him, regardless of what battles you and I face. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us unconditionally. Thank you, Father, for giving us chance after chance to do the right thing. And I pray that, Lord, that we would take time this week to just get alone with you and really think about these three exhortations. I pray, Father, that if there are things in our lives that are coming between us and you, that we would remove those things. Father, I pray that we would reflect and remember the things you've done in our past and that we'd know that you were faithful then, you're faithful today, and you'll be faithful tomorrow. And Father, I pray that each one of us in this room would just reaffirm our love for you every day. And that we'd be wanting and desiring to serve you, however you give us those opportunities. And we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.